Hey, what is going on everyone? It's me, Mr. Mario, and welcome back to another episode of Mario's Minute. In case you do not know, this is the second podcast I do. Yes, I do have another podcast, my main one being Mod Chat, where that one is a little bit more structured, and I do that at least once a month, where I kind of just talk about certain things in the modding realm that I find cool. Like I said, I do that at least once a month, but this here is my second podcast where I don't really have too much of a structure here, and I just talk about really whatever the hell I want to. Sometimes I have guests on, sometimes I don't. I try and do my best to alternate it every other month. Last month, I did have an episode with Jason from uh, Game Rave TV, and that was a super fun episode, super awesome one to do, and he was a great guest. So if you all have any interest in uh, some of the obscure and really awesome original PlayStation stuff, I'd recommend checking him out on his channel and such and even checking out that episode. But this is going to be a solo episode for... August of 2022 and you know I don't have all too many topics here but it's all good I'll, I'll see by the end how uh, long or short this is uh, but there's just a few things I want to talk about on this by the way since I was saying this is a podcast and such it is available on two different forms first of all it is available on the Mr. Mario 2011 YouTube channel where there is just a cool looking visualizer with my channel art in the background at least i feel like it's cool looking uh, and there is conversation in the comment section there as well too so that's a nice little added bonus but since this is a podcast you can also look up mario's minute on your favorite podcasting app host platform and you should hopefully be able to find it i know it's not available on all of the platforms but it's available on most of them i would say either way Let's go ahead and uh, get into the first thing I was thinking about here. And, you know, I think I just had this in my mind one day. It was like earlier this week. And I was like, you know, I'm just going to put this on the list here. And it is uh, eBay. When it comes to eBay, just selling games on there is not very fun. Uh, now, I think I've talked about it before. And I'm also one of those people where... I don't mind shipping stuff out. I know a lot of people dread it. I think I've just done it so often that I have kind of a system in place now and everything. And so if I have a game or something that I have to ship out, I have a ton of the envelopes that I need. I know how to print off everything easily enough, tape it on there, um, you know, pack it up. I've already weighed everything. I did a lot of the heavy lifting, so to speak, initially. Uh, when I started selling part of my game collection, for anybody who might be a little bit alarmed with that, uh, the games that I've been selling for uh, probably just over a year now uh, have all been games that are just sitting there, and they are either duplicates of games that I own, or sometimes even triplicates at times. Uh, so they're duplicates of games that I already own, or they are games that I know I will never, ever, ever play. And for anybody who also might be in the collector mindset and thinking, oh, well, don't sell some of your games because you know you're going to regret it and all that. There's games like, I, I don't know, Madden 2008. I'm never going to play that game ever. I'm, I'm never going to play it. I, I don't need it in my collection. I wouldn't want it in my collection. And I've never owned it, actually. But if I did have it, you'd be willing to bet that I would sell it and I would not regret selling it. So just games like that. And that's kind of what it's been, the ones that I don't have duplicates of. It's like sports games that I've gotten. And typically not even sports games that I have outright gone out of my way to purchase. It's like I buy an Xbox 360 for $15 from a thrift store, and when I boot it up, I hit the eject button, and there is a basketball game sitting in the DVD drive. So it's been situations like that. <laughs> there are, even when it comes to duplicates, there are sometimes I do want duplicates of games, but there's other times where I'm like, okay, I don't need two or three copies of this exact game. So what I'm saying is these are all just games that I have been meaning to get rid of, been meaning to sell, that I either don't want at all or don't need at all. Uh, so I've been, I think probably about a couple years ago, uh, maybe even a bit longer than that, I kind of like separated these games out and I had them in a eventual for sale pile. Uh, then I was just, there was a lot going on, plus a little bit of laziness as well too. So it got to the point that I didn't really end up listing them and such until uh, just over a year ago. And I remember even when I did it, uh, I it took me 
probably about a work day, I would say. It took me six, seven, eight hours to do all this because what I did was I got everything stacked and uh, I was just, you know, in my basement. I had my laptop next to me and what I did was I had them stacked, then I separated them out according to console and all that stuff, had them alphabetized, then I had a spreadsheet where I put in the games, um, the condition, I was weighing them, uh, and then putting if they were listed, if they were sold, any of that stuff. Also kind of started getting some tentative numbers and such down. I was taking photos of all of them, and then I was going through the process of listing all of these games. And I did kind of inflate the prices a bit as well too because it's like well I'm not really in a rush to get rid of these uh thankfully I don't need need the money right now and uh, I'd like to get as much as I can for these games so at the time it was really nice because eBay actually had a option where you can have it automatically drop the price as it's not selling so you could enable that and for example I could put up a game for $25 and I do like a buy it now and every few days as it wouldn't sell it would just drop the price by 5 or 10% so it would bottom out at I'm just making up these numbers it might bottom out at like 14.99 which I was okay with so even if I have to wait a few weeks and someone picks it up at $19 I'm okay with that um so I was selling, you know, a good portion at the time, and there's it kind of comes in waves. Like, one of the things I've noticed is typically I sell games most of the time on, like, Thursdays or Fridays, and I'm pretty sure that's just because people are getting paid. They go on to eBay, they decide to pick up a game, so that's when I end up picking something up there, or I, I guess sell something there. Uh, now, the nice thing is as well, too, I'm selling really all disc-based games, not selling anything cartridge-based. I don't really have any cartridge-based games to sell, uh, but I also have a disc reservicer as well, too. So what I do is I make sure if there's, like, any scratches on the games or anything, if I'm just not really... I, I kind of put it... I don't want to sell something that I wouldn't really be happy with the condition of. Like, I do have games where, you know, the cover art is missing or the manual is missing or the case isn't in the best condition, but I take good, detailed photos of everything, and I also clearly put it in the listing as well, too. So let's say if a case is broken, and if I ever send it to someone and they complain and say, well, the case is broken, I say, yeah, I put that in the listing in text and I put it in two of the photos. You can clearly see right here the game you got is in the exact it's in the exact uh, condition that I described and displayed it. And it's not like I put it up in like brand new or even excellent condition. No, that's probably like acceptable condition to me. Uh, so that's usually how I do all of that. Uh, now, what was going on with it? I ended up... Yeah, it was with uh, disc reservicers and such. Um, typically, I will look at my game discs, and if it's something I wouldn't really be happy with if I paid for it and, you know, I got it in this condition, I don't want to send it out like that. So I do have a bunch of these games where, since I've picked them up, you know, from garage sales, thrift stores, and all that, many of them, the discs aren't in the best condition, uh, but I can make them in much better shape when I put them through my disc reservoir and, you know, just clean them up real well, get rid of most of the scratches and all that, and I, you know, talk about that as well, too. So, typically, when I do that, it might take me, you know, six, eight, ten minutes per game to work on them, because I do take my time with them, and I have to run them through the reservoir many times. Uh, now, for a bit, I was, there was a ton of games that I was selling, and as I was kind of getting them out, it didn't really matter to me how much I was making, uh, because many of them, like, you know, the, the profit margins on them were pretty small, because you're selling it for eight dollars let's say uh but then you have to pay for shipping and then you have to pay for fees and that's not even including you know any money i might have spent on uh I guess printer toner, I guess I'm getting granular here, but it's like toner, paper, uh, tape, uh, even, you know, using my gas and my time to drive somewhere to drop it off and all that stuff. Uh, so typically I'd kind of have to measure all that out. Uh, but it was more just, I don't really care about this as long as I'm making a little bit of a profit on them. And uh, I'm more just getting these out of the house because it was like, it's not as much like I want to make a ton of money on these. Having the money would be nice, but it's also, they're not doing anything here. And if somebody else wants to buy this game for eight, nine, ten dollars $10, then if they get some enjoyment out of it, awesome. So I haven't really had, you know, all too many, you know, bad customer dealings or anything. That's been fine. Uh, but I have said that 
I literally put it in here as eBay selling games sucks. Like, that's how I felt when I had uh, put it up on there. Uh, now, I do still have games I'm going to be selling on there, but... I think for me, I ended up feeling this a few months ago when uh, for a bit, you know, I was really selling through a lot of it and I'd say I've sold over half of the games that I wanted to and now I just have, you know, a good stack of games that's kind of sitting there and occasionally one sells off and then it's fine. I could probably sell them faster if I reduce the prices a little bit, but it's also one of those things again, it's like, well... I'm okay with these prices, it's fine, and I'm also not in a rush to sell at all, so it's okay. If occasionally one of them sells for 15 bucks or whatever, that's okay. But I think I ended up hitting my limit uh, a few months ago when... It was very rare, like, for a bit, I was regularly selling stuff, like, every week I was sending stuff out, so to me, it was kind of just, it didn't make a difference what I was selling, it's like, oh, okay, cool, even if I have to spend time, you know, fixing up this disc or whatever, fine, it goes out, all good, but then when it was, like, weeks between games, I would say this, you, you feel a certain kind of way, when, let's say you haven't sold anything for a month, and then one of your listings ends up selling. So I go, I end up, you know, printing out the label, I grab an envelope, I look at the disc, it is in not great shape, so I go to fix it, uh, it's all fixed up, all good, I package it up, and then I look, you know, I plug it into my spreadsheet, I say how much money I, you know, accepted for the item, uh, minus the fees, minus the shipping, and I kid you not, it's like the net profit is like 93 cents. And it's like, really? Okay, I haven't haven't done this in like a month. Uh, and I, I spent 10 minutes doing this for, what, 93 cents? Okay, and now, now I still have to go out at one point and drive this to a mailbox or something. So I think that's, that's when I felt a certain way about it. And I believe that kind of coincided with a time around... Uh, when USPS, because I ship out my games to USPS, it was when USPS also increased their prices a bit as well too, so it squeezed it even further. So at that point, it was like, I'm not even regularly selling these because, uh, don't uh, don't get it twisted, it's not like I was just selling eight, nine, ten dollar games. I also had more expensive games, like 20, 30, 40 dollar games that were selling, thankfully, so it, it kind of all melded. And again, even when I'm selling, let's say in one week, if I sell four or five games, it's like, okay, again, I'm more just trying to get them out of the house and I can kind of bundle some of them together and all that so I can ship off three at once or what have you. So even if I'm, even if I'm making one or two dollars on a game it's fine but what happened was uh, when I saw that at the time I reduced my sale collection even further because I would say actually by that time I probably sold about a third of what I was trying to sell uh, then I looked at the rest of it and I ended up carving out about half of that uh, so that's why I have maybe from my original sale pile I have maybe a third of what I want to get rid of, uh, because about half of that, I looked at it and I just went through and I removed a bunch of my listings because I ended up calculating it. And for me, it got to the point. It was like, you know, there has to be a minimum for me. I, I don't really want to feel this way again, because that was a little bit annoying, especially with the uh, little bit of squeeze there in regards to uh, shipping going up. And I'm sure fees have gone up a little bit as well, too. But I looked at it and I kind of had to make a rule for myself where it was, you know, if I'm selling a disc-based game, I can't really sell anything under $8 or else it's not really worth it to me. And when it comes to games like in a DVD case or something, so they do have a little bit more weight to them because I don't ship flat rate. I measure out how much these weigh and then I put them into a padded envelope. And when it comes to games like that, I think I've kind of found it, I, I try and keep it at like minimum $10. So it's if it's a DVD case or something, uh, like a PS2 game or an Xbox game, if it's under $10, I don't even sell on eBay. Uh, because I, I had several games that I was selling for like $5.50, $6, something like that, or even like if it was like a cased game, like $7, let's say. And it doesn't sound like that much of a difference, but uh, I kind of just had to see, you know, what the worth was on there and stuff. And especially, I think, even to add insult to injury, when I was talking about that really cheap game, the one I made like 93 cents off of or even less, it was like a $5 playstation game that was disc only uh so that's why i was just like you know this is this is 
definitely not worth it, even even just to a point of getting it out the house at this point when it is that small of a margin. So what I did was, if <laughs> you might be wondering what did I do with that about third of games that I you know removed from the sale collection. So like I said, I looked at all of those pretty much my cutoff ended up being anything under eight dollars disc only i didn't i removed anything under ten dollars with a case and such i end up removing and i took all of that and i end up selling it to a local store uh there was a game shop that i've been going to and uh, I ended up just putting it all into a bag. I took it over there. And I think at the time with everything, and there was also some there was some other stuff too that I didn't list on eBay that I just decided to throw in there as well too. And I think I ended up getting like $60 or something for what it was. And granted, a lot of this stuff was not worth all too much, but uh, I, I'd say I'm, you know, maybe not friends, but I'm pretty friendly with the owner of this store. And I was talking to him and I said, you know, it's just, I'm, I'm bringing this to you because like, a lot of these, they, they aren't bad games by any means, but they're in different conditions and such, and it's just they're not worth all too much. But I was selling, just let you know, I was actually selling these on eBay, and I just delisted all of these because it's simply not worth it. Like, even this game right here, I could sell this game for $6, but after fees, after shipping, and not even including my time or materials or anything, uh, when I'm making, like, 92 cents or 87 cents from this game it is not worth it all so even if you look at one of these games and you say i can only give you one or two dollars i'm like you know what that is that is more than i would get going through all the effort of selling this online so yeah i will take that <laughs> and i i think that was kind of just my uh my thought process on there overall so when it comes to uh, when it comes to games that are, you know, worth a bit more on there, I do end up selling them on eBay, even though, uh, you know, they do take their cuts and all that. And that's the more annoying thing. And I think there's probably other services where you can, you know, take less cuts or even if you do something like Craigslist, it's fine. But I very much like how turnkey eBay is. It's really you're paying the extra fees and all that that you're paying for. You're really just paying for the convenience of the platform. Really, that's how it goes. Because I could, you know, do something off of Facebook Marketplace, Craigslist, or what have you. But typically, I've noticed that is not only you'll deal with a lot more just crap overall, uh, more annoying customers, no shows, uh, but also you do, do have to be more active in your sales and replies and stuff. While as with eBay, 95% uh, of my transactions I'm able to complete without ever talking to the customer or the seller. Because uh, just on both sides, you know, if you're buying something, you find your item, you buy it, you pay the money, and then you wait for it to come. And then me as a seller, I see that the item is sold, it comes through, I do what I need to on my side, I send it off. So like I said, 95% of the time with my transactions on eBay, I never have any personal dealings with the seller. So I very much like the turnkey operation of that. <laughs> but that's also kind of my heads up to you all as well too you know i don't really see anything bad with selling things that you're not using if you can get some extra income with that that's fine as well too uh but if it comes to ebay where i know i'm sure there's people who are listening who are thinking of selling their games on there just kind of price everything out i'd recommend definitely doing a spreadsheet and just seeing how much you're wanting to get and such because this isn't even including there's some people who might say hey i spent five dollars on this game i want to get at least a five dollar profit on there uh, but that wasn't me on the games and stuff that I was selling I was like look um, the money I spent on this is already spent uh, I'm not really caring to make it back like it's all good so there's going to be stuff I'm going to make a profit on there's going to be stuff that I make a loss on it's more in the current time I want to make sure that when I sell something after all these shipping and fees, I am in the positive for it. And it's just getting some money back for stuff that I am not using so it can be used by someone else. That's really all that I was looking for there. But like I said, you might want to look into what your minimum is going to be. For me, with the way I ship out my stuff, the way I deal with everything, my minimums are if it is a disc-only game, $8 at minimum. If it's a case-based game, $10 at minimum, and if it's going to be something that's going to sell lower than that, I just eventually stack it up into a pile and I sell it somewhere locally because <laughs> I'll repeat it again. Even if I take it to a shop and they say, I can only give you a dollar for this game, that's probably 12 cents more than I would have made off eBay. <laughs>
So there, that that's a. Uh, I don't really rant as much, but that is like the closest to a rant that I could get there, I suppose. So speaking of games, still on the gaming thing as well too. Uh, this is, I guess, with consoles or computers or what. You know what? This is just going to be uh, the Steam Deck. I ended up finally getting one. I uh, have my. I have my initial thoughts and impressions on the Steam Deck. I do think that I am going to make a more thorough video once I have more time with it, but so far, these have been my thoughts uh, at the time I'm recording this, because I'm going to be recording this a bit earlier than uh, I end up releasing this episode, but at the time I'm recording this, I've been using my Steam Deck for just over a week here. Now, my history with this, I suppose... I had seen news of this, and I remember when the announcement dropped, um, I was seeing Steam Deck, Steam Deck, Steam Deck, and I thought this was Stream Deck. So I was thinking that it was like the Steam Link, and I thought that this was going to be some new device for streaming that Steam was dropping. Then I saw it was the Steam Deck, and I saw that it was a handheld computer. That That's what I'm calling it. Uh, so it seemed like a cool device and I was especially shocked at the price uh, for me in my opinion I do know there's three tiers of it but I call it a $400 computer because when you get the other two the two there's the 64 gig the 256 gig and the 512 gig models and I believe aside from obviously the storage on there the storage being increased and I think even in the 512 model the SSD is a bit better I believe, from what I understand, uh, the 512 gigabyte model, it also has a bit of a different, I guess, screen cover where it has an anti-glare cover, and it also has uh, a different type of case on there. To me, those differences are a bit negligible because the specs are the same. You're getting the same APU, you're getting the same amount of RAM and all of that. So when it comes to spec-wise, as opposed to, you know, aesthetics are going to be a little bit different and of course the storage is going to be different but the actual raw specs of the device the 64 gig is going to be equivalent of the 512 gig so that's why for me i still look at it as a 400 dollars machine now for me i end up getting the 512 gigabyte model and i don't remember exactly when i pre-ordered this let me let me see when they came up you're going to hear me type in a bit but steam deck pre-orders start let's see when that happened um when was it even announced was this no it wasn't january no it looks like july 30th Ju yeah or actually july of last year i want to say that sounds about right it looks like yes july 15th to uh 2021 that's when it was announced so I knew, and I'm sure you all listening um, have known of this, but I've I've known many people who they were immediately trying to get their Steam Deck, and they were trying, 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 and it was $5 down to pre-order it. Now, I didn't really buy into the hype until two or three days later, I want to say. I want to say it was about two days later. Honestly, I think it was maybe a little bit of peer pressure as well, too. Uh, in my Discord server, I was talking with several other friends on there, and they had all gotten their reserves, and they were all excited about it. And after maybe two or three days of seeing that, I was like, you know, this device seems kind of cool. I think I'm going to pre-order it. Because for me, it was very much, I'm going to pre-order it. All I have to do is pay $5 right now. And if I feel like canceling it before it comes out, I can cancel it, get my $5 back. Worst case scenario, if I end up paying the rest of the cost for this and I get it and I decide I don't want it, I can sell off probably for a profit at that point. So that's what I end up doing. I will say I do very much like how their pre-order system was. This is what I wanted, what, what Valve did where they said, hey, uh, it's first come, first serve, $5 down. Uh, when your deck is ready, we will send you an email telling you to pay in the next 72 hours. And if you decide to pay, we'll send it to you. If you don't decide to pay, uh, we will cancel your order. 
I very much like Valve doing that. Uh, that is, you're talking to someone who was struggling to get a PlayStation 5 and a Series X, uh, thankfully not because of money, but just because I did not want to pay a scalper. I didn't want to go that route. And I just had to keep fighting these websites and all of this. This is how it should have been. This, this is what I like for for hardware when it comes to this and i would have loved if microsoft and sony or even just other shops would have done this where they said hey you can pre-order a playstation 5 for even a hundred dollars put a hundred dollars down first come first serve you can pre-order a ps5 and when yours is ready we'll let you know and you can pay the rest of the money it might be ready in three weeks it might be ready in 12 months um, but it's first come first serve i would have loved that because even with all of this, I didn't have to worry about scalpers. I didn't have to worry about uh, any of the other trials and tribulations just to get one of these pieces of hardware. I didn't have to worry about any of that. It was really nice. Uh, so I even kind of just, I set it there and I forgot it. And let's see, it was, so it was announced July 15th. So I probably pre-ordered July 17th, July 18th of 2021. And it was 12 months later. Yeah, because in July, I ended up getting a email saying, hey, Steam Deck, uh, yours is ready. And I was surprised. I was like, wait, I thought I'd be waiting a few more months. <laughs> I was pretty patient with it. I was not prepared to get it at that point, but I paid off the rest of that. Then it ended up shipping out and I picked it up and I've been messing with it. I did get the 512 gigabyte model. Uh, I do know that Valve has seemed to be pretty open with people opening up their decks, uh, modifying them, and Valve's stance on it is essentially, hey, uh, this is an unsupported mod, do it at your own risk. It is possible to do, but we don't recommend it, but if you want to do it, here's how to do it. Uh, just like running Windows on Steam Deck right now, Valve has come out and said, hey, uh, we're still working right now on a official dual boot setup tool it's not ready yet if you want to install windows do so at your own risk uh, we don't really have any instructions for it but here are drivers to get this all set up so in the meantime with this as well too i've had the last laptop i reviewed on this channel which i'm sure most people have no idea about this but i have a lenovo y5070 i end up picking this up in 2014 i want to say yeah, 2014, I was still in college, and my old laptop was just going out on me, having every single issue possible, and I just wanted something meatier. So I ended up getting that laptop, and I'm still using that laptop. The only downside is it is showing its age, it is having issues, and I decided a few years ago, I'm not going to put any more money into the laptop. Any money that I would put into my current laptop, I would rather just save and put into purchasing a new laptop. The problem with that also being... I don't need a laptop these days anymore. I would say I haven't needed a laptop since 2017, uh, just with the way my lifestyle is and how I use it and everything. Having a laptop on hand is nice, it is convenient, but do I need one? No. So that's why I kind of just gritted my teeth and dealt with the issues a little bit. Because even at times I looked at it and I was like, you know, I can get a really banging laptop which will do more than I need it to for $600, but... I'm barely going to use the thing. So it kind of, I kept moving the goalposts. I was like, okay, this year I'll get one. Okay, maybe next year I'll get one. Okay, before I go on my next trip, I'll get one. And I just never ended up getting a new laptop. So then I had a little bit of an epiphany at one point. Uh, several months ago, I was like, wait, I could run Windows on the Steam Deck. I'm sure some people are just like, oh, no, 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 no. But, but look, it's not fully like that, right? So it kind of came to the point for me, I was like, you know, as opposed to getting a Steam Deck and a new laptop in the future, I think with my limited usage and the rare times that I do need a laptop, and I don't necessarily need one, but it would be nice to have one, I think I can just use the Steam Deck for what I need to. So when I ended up purchasing the Steam Deck, I also ended up getting a uh, little wireless Bluetooth keyboard, I got a Bluetooth mouse, and I also ended up picking up a USB-C dock that is not the official one from Valve, but it is designed for the Steam Deck. So you could like dock it in like a switch and you can pop it into power. You have HDMI out, you have Ethernet, and you have a few USB ports. Unfortunately, I can't talk about it that much because I ordered it 
it sent out and then it never arrived. And then Amazon ended up already like doing a reorder of it for me, but it's taking weeks to come out. I don't even know if I'm going to get it at this point because it keeps saying it's unavailable, but I have my order right there. It says I'm going to get it here soon. So we'll see how that goes. I'm not super worried about it. And also in the meantime, I actually remembered that I have a USB type C dock as well too, that I can use in case I need to. Uh, either way, that was one of the first things I did. So when I got my Steam Deck, I opened it up, I was checking it out, got all set up and everything, super easy to set up there. Uh, then I remembered that I had a 512 gigabyte micro SD card that I bought at one point just because it was a really good deal that I was using for nothing. <laughs> so I ended up finding a tutorial and I got Windows 11 installed on there. I put it on the micro SD card, which I know is not the best, but it's kind of a thing of like, I don't really use it that much. It should be fine. And I don't want to, I very much want to have this segmented. So by that, I mean, Steam OS, I believe in it. I use it. I love the idea behind it. It's worked very well for me. I'm only using that for games. That is it. I only use it for games. Only use it for games. Windows is going to be for everything except games. Uh, now, funny enough, I even have like the Adobe suite I've installed on there. I haven't actually used it on it, uh, but you know, I'll do some internet browsing on there. I'll do, uh, if I have to like remote into my server, I use that uh, spreadsheet work. I've done a little bit of that as well too. And it seemed to work pretty well for what I need it to. Like I don't need anything super robust, but I just need it to not randomly blue screen on me. Like my bar for having a Windows capable device is very low. <laughs> I'm not sure if y'all realize that, but I that that my my barrier to entry in my bar, my expectation is very low when it comes to that. So I've had that. Uh, the Windows side, it seemed to work pretty well for me for the most part, although the only downside is there is a side effect where it seems like this just how it is. There's no way around it really at the current time. Uh, if I just turn on my Steam Deck from cold boot and I don't do anything, it will automatically boot from the micro SD card and it boots into Windows 11. So in order for me to boot up Steam OS, every time I launch it from cold boot, I have to hold down the volume down button, which brings up the bootloader menu, and I have to select, or I guess, you know, the UEFI or the BIOS on there, whatever you want to call it. Uh, then I have to select SteamOS and it launches them there. Now, SteamOS has worked incredibly well for me. I've been playing PC games on there. Uh, I've also had a lot of fun with EmuDeck, which is awesome. EmuDeck, from what I understand, is not an actual application. It is just kind of a series of scripts and such. But you go to the website because there's no flat pack available yet, at least. You go to the website, you download this you run it and it just walks you through the process of what do you want to install where do you want to install these two what do you want to do and it just downloads a ton of emulators and builds the direct folders onto your uh, deck and everything and then afterwards it tells you hey if you want to play ps2 games you need to put the bios here hey if you want to play switch games you need to put the keys and the firmware right here and that's all there is to it so I've had a really fun time using this as a emulator machine. Uh, I've been tweaking it quite a bit. I've been messing around with cheats on there as well too. I will say this is not a console to me. Uh, let's let's keep that in mind. In my opinion, uh, this is, I guess you can call it a consoleized computer, but this is still a computer. Uh, it is a handheld PC. That's what it is. With that being said, I don't really think this would be a console competitor, at least in my eyes. This here is definitely a competitor, however, for other handheld PCs. And that's actually been the thing that's attracted me to the Steam Deck as opposed to getting like the AIA Neo or the GDP Win or even looking at any of those or GPD. I, I See, I don't even really, if, if people are like laughing at me not knowing the names, it's because I don't really pay attention to these other little computers because I've had... This is essentially the issue I've had with all of them prior to the Steam Deck is that they seem to be really expensive for not the best performance. The support also seems to be spotty as well too on them. So that's why when I saw the Steam Deck and I was like, wait, this is going to be using SteamOS. It has, you know, Proton is going to be on there. It's going to get even more support just because people love Steam. People are going to love the idea behind this. And it's really affordable at 
$400 for the base unit, like, yeah, this is what I'm looking at here. Uh, so even if people show me other handheld computers like this and they have specs that blow the Steam Deck out of the water, they really don't impress me because I very much, <clears throat> excuse me, I look at it from a very much pessimistic point of view and I'm like, well, how is it really going to perform? Well, that's kind of expensive for what you're getting. Well, how is the performance going to be a year from now? How is the support going to be a year from now? That's where I look at it because I've seen a lot of these projects and these computers here just get just be really lacking in many of those regards. So the Steam Deck might be the first good one I've seen all around when it comes to barrier to entry of cost, when it comes to the specs, when it especially comes to support, because it's not only Valve is going to be supporting it incredibly well, and they have been, but the community as well too. And that's when you get really awesome projects like Emudeck, for example, where it's designed specifically for the deck and it just does everything you need to when it comes to emulation on there. So that's what's really attracted me to it here. And I don't think this is going to be a console killer by any means. Uh, now, if, you, if you're going to be messing with the emulation on there, even with that, it's going to, you know, take... <sighs> I would say take specific people if you really want to go all in with that. And by that, I mean, it's nice to have it. Like, for example, I have some Game Boy Advance games on mine. But a lot of people, if they want to play a Game Boy Advance game portably, they would like to play on, you know, the Game Boy Advance hardware. And they can, you know, get a modified Game Boy Advance, get a flash cart, and have fun with that. And it's, you know, that smaller form factor, it looks awesome. The Steam Deck is big. <laughs> Uh, my first thoughts on this when I got it were it's big, but also it's fast. Uh, I have also been shocked at just not only how quick and snappy it is, but even when it comes to download speeds, how incredibly blazing fast it is, uh, partially with the SSD on there. There's literally been times where, for example, my connection, I have a gigabit internet connection, and there's been times where it's like, there was one night, I remember it was like one of the first nights I was using it. I was talking with my girlfriend, she was telling me something, and before she could start and finish a sentence, I had found a game that I was wanting to play, it was Fez, I found the game on my library, I hit download, the game, down, the game started, finished downloading, and installed before she could finish her sentence. Granted, it's like a small game, it's like a 500 megabyte game, but I was just shocked at how lightning fast this thing was. So SteamOS, I'm loving it so far. Uh, I've, I don't really have too many bad things to say about the Steam Deck. It's actually kind of reinvigorated playing some older stuff, especially playing on PC as well too. Uh, I'll get into the games that I've been playing as well, you know, later on in here. But overall, I don't think the Steam Deck is for everyone. But I think if it's something that you're interested in, it's a really awesome device. Uh, it is not going to be a console equivalent because it simply isn't. It is a consoleized handheld PC, meaning that even if you just decide to dedicate to only playing games and only staying in Steam OS, you are still going to have to go to desktop mode. Uh, even if you don't want to do the emulation thing, if you're trying to be as, I guess, as PC and not politically correct, I mean like computer, if you're just trying to only play computer games on there, if all you're wanting to do is play games that are officially from Steam, that have been sanctioned by them, that are verified or at least playable on the Steam Deck, you're still going to have to do a few things in desktop mode. One of the examples being a prototype. The first prototype game, I kept having issues with it locking up, and I ended up finding out, uh, I looked it up, I found out that uh, it doesn't work on, it doesn't work well with the latest version at the time of Proton, but it seems to work well with the latest version of Proton GE. So I end up having to download another program, a flat pack, which was, uh, I don't remember the program's name, but it allows me to download and configure other versions of Proton. So I used it to download Proton GE like 6.5. Then I ended up enabling that on prototype I had to reinstall the game at one point as well too but now it's working beautifully so there's still going to be tinkering that you have to do in that regard uh, plus I feel like the performance is going to get better on games and such and the uh, 
and the experience here. But keep in mind that not all games are going to run super well on this either. Uh, I've been playing Stray a little bit on it as well, and it doesn't stay. It simply does not stay at a consistent 60 frames per second. Uh, it does stutter a little bit as well too. So it's not like you just have this like this console PC in the palm of your hands, quite literally, that is going to play everything perfectly at 60 frames per second. It's not going to. It really won't. Uh, there are, you know, different things you can do. You can change configurations. You can modify the specs a little bit on there. Uh, there's other things that you're able to do to improve performance and improve your experience. But do keep in mind that you're not going to have like an effortless console experience, like if you fire up a Switch or you fire up a PS5, you are going to have to do some tinkering. You are going to have to do Googling. You are going to have to go into desktop mode. So in that regard, it's not going to be for everyone. But if you understand that, and if you're kind of like me, where you're weird and you like doing stuff like that, as long as you understand those limitations, I think it's been a pretty awesome device so far. So those have been my initial thoughts on it. <laughs> um, now, let's see here. You know, I I'm still kind of talking about this. I'm going to flip it around a bit here. But I did want to talk about the games that I've been playing because it's a little bit of an offshoot with this as well, too. Uh, in regards to that, let me see. I did mention Stray. And I actually was playing this game. I talked about it in last month's episode with Game Rave TV. But since then, I was playing it on PS5. I now have it on PS5 and on uh, PC. But I was playing this on PS5, and I loved this game so much that I beat it three times in a week. <laughs> Uh, I end up getting the platinum on this game as well too, which I'm not a trophy hunter, I'm not an achievement hunter anymore, but I love the game so much that I actually tried for the platinum and I got it. Safe to say I absolutely love this game, it's probably been one of my favorite games that I have played this year, without a doubt I can confidently say that, uh, and... If you see this game and you're interested in it, I would recommend checking it out. I do think that there's more that can be done with it. Uh, that's been some of the criticism behind it, where it's like, hey, it could be a little too wordy at times, or there's it would have been nice if there was more explained or a bit more described in the world. But it portrays cats pretty accurately. Uh, the mocap they've done with these cats is absolutely great. And plus, it's just one of those games where it's it's fun. It's fun. It, I, I, don't, I don't know how else to describe it. It's fun. It's a good game. And if I can enjoy playing the game that much, then any of the downsides don't really matter all that much to me. <laughs> so I end up playing that. I got the Platinum on there. I've also been playing a lot of older games on the Steam Deck because I haven't really wanted to purchase anything new on there because I have a, a pretty good-sized Steam library. Plus, I've been playing around with Emu Deck. So let's see. I ended up actually finishing uh, the game Loaded on the original PlayStation, which it has its faults and such. But dare I say, I know this is not really... People don't like this term because it's been overused. But Loaded is, I believe, legitimately a little bit of a hidden gem on the PS1 because it seems like it's one of those games that came out pretty early into the PS1's life cycle that came out in 1995. It's not perfect, mind you, but it is. It's bloody, it's crazy, it's edgy, the The soundtrack on it is awesome. Uh, especially, I mean, if you just load it up with cheats, it's really fun to go through. It feels like a really early version of Hotline Miami, and I think that was a part of it too. I'm like... This feels like Hotline Miami on PS1, but like nobody ever talks about this game. And it's pretty affordable for the most part too. I think it's gone up a little bit in price, but like I remember when I got it when I was younger, I found it at a shop for like six bucks. Uh, even the sequel, Reloaded, I've barely seen that anywhere. So I would say, I don't think that's rare, but it's quite an uncommon game. But that was pretty worthless as well too. Like, I've actually picked up two copies of it. I found a PAL copy of it at a store. I was shocked to see it there. Uh, I found it for like $4. This is years and years ago. Then um, I found an NTSC version of it. So don't have to, you know, change the resolution or anything. I end up finding that years later, and I think I might have found that for like 6 or $8, something like that. Uh, now, from what I understand, Reloaded is not as good as a sequel, uh, but I will still play it because I 
want to play through that. The funny thing is, I was playing Loaded on the PS1. I had cheats on there. I was running through it. But I was playing it, of course, on Steam Deck, and I was playing with Duck Station, which is an awesome emulator that I've really wanted to get into trying. I do believe it's better and nicer than EPSXE. Like, Duck Station is the wave when it comes to emulating PS1 games. And I mean this as no no disrespect to the emulator, but Loaded is, out of all the games I've played, it's been the only game I've played on Duck Station that has had major issues. Uh, now, I'm also playing with widescreen hacks, where I'm not just stretching out the screen, but it essentially, I mean, it, it kind of adds in widescreen. It just kind of expands the sides of it so you're able to see more of what's going on. And you do run into some issues with that. For example, I was also playing Parasite Eve on there, and the collision that your character will have, like, either, like, interacting with objects or going through doors and stuff, it's a little bit off. It just doesn't feel quite right. And I know that's because of the widescreen hacks, so I excuse that. Uh, Reloaded seems to run fine. Other games I've played seem to run fine. But this game loaded, I noticed... The resolution, uh, not the resolution, but the performance was not the best. It did not stay at a consistent frame rate. And the FMVs were not playing properly at all. Uh, FMV playback was just completely messed up on this game. Uh, now, music, because it's a CDDA, so it's, uh, how do I say that? The music is not actually like in the game files. It is actual audio tracks on there, which there's some emulators that have issues reading that. Duck Station seemed to read it just fine with no issues, which was really awesome to experience because the music is a part of the experience. However, the issue that I was running into was, uh, again, with the FMVs, at one point it was game-breaking. There was one point where essentially what I would have to do is whenever an FMV would play, the sound was still going in the background, but it would kind of start looping, and the image would be frozen, or it would just very, very slowly refresh. So I'd have to go into the emulator settings, set it to fast forward, and just let the game fast forward until it got over this hump of a FMV. That worked for most of them, except there was one FMV, it got stuck at that point. I could not have the game progress any further. So what I had to do is I had to close out of my game, reopen it, reload my save, and whenever you load a save, the save picks up after an FMV, so you end up skipping that. So that was the only downside to it, and that is, out of all the games I've played on it, that is the only game I have had major issues with, which is excusable. Like, that's how it is for me. Um, I'm not really sure how these can be fixed with Duck Station. I'm not even sure if it's just my exact configuration on it, because I'm playing Duck Station, you know, on Linux and such through here. So maybe there's a little bit of an issue with that. I'm not 100% sure on there. Uh, but overall, it seemed to work pretty well for me like it was still playable I was able to play through the game plus when I end up finishing the game I literally just looked up like loaded cutscenes on YouTube the because the game is so early on it came out in 1995 the entirety of the FMVs is like two minutes of the whole game so I just watched a two minute video on YouTube that had every single FMV spliced into the same video and then you know I had my experience there so I ended up finishing that. That was great. Uh, like I said, I was playing through Parasite Eve, like poking at that. Uh, I've started playing Silent Hill 2. Like I was dabbling in a little bit of that as well too, which I love that game. But I have the greatest hits version on PS2. So it has not only the updated code, but it also has the extra scenario with Maria on there. So I was playing through that a little bit. Uh, it plays beautiful. I think it's PCSX2. That's the emulator that's on there. Uh, let me see. I'm actually going to pull out my Steam Deck and see what else I was playing on here. I've also been playing some PSP games, so I've been poking at uh, Infected. Another, dare I say, another PSP hidden gem, I feel like, where it's bloody, it's edgy, it's great, it's super fun, has an amazing soundtrack. I've been kind of in a like grimy, bloody horror-type mood, I guess. I'm not sure why, but that's kind of the games that I've been going through. Uh, I played a little bit of Nightmare Creatures 2. That was playing pretty well on there. Uh, the one Game Boy Advance game I was playing a bit of was uh, Pinball of the Dead. Was having a lot of fun with that. Um, seemed to work pretty well for my experience on there. And uh, 
I guess uh, Xenogears, I was trying that out on, uh, you know, PS1, of course, and that seemed to work super well. Now, for actual PC games, again, that I was playing on the Steam Deck here, uh, recently I've been playing, uh, I just started, well, I guess restarted Condemned Criminal Origins. I've had this on PC for years, and the last time I played it, I was using a Logitech keyboard and mouse, and the reason why I say that is because it has such a weird issue where if you have a Logitech keyboard, a certain certain types of Logitech keyboards, and you have the hotkeys enabled on there, like macros for like playing music, back, forward, just uh, also like sound, then a few minutes into the game, it ends up, even if you have like a multi, like if you have multiple cores in your CPU, the game ends up falling back to playing on a single core, and the performance just tanks. It runs at like 6 frames per second all of a sudden. So I didn't have the best PC experience, but I've been playing it on Steam Deck, and it works perfectly well. Uh, 60 frames per second, it looks great, it runs really well. It's the best condemned experience I've had, because I've played this game like six times through on the Xbox 360. I played it a bit through backwards compatibility on the Xbox One X at the time, and I got about halfway through it, and then I just kind of dropped it for whatever reason. Uh, but I've been enjoying that quite a bit on PC. Uh, let's see, there was one other PC game I'm pretty sure I was playing on here. I'm just trying to look through my collection and see which one it was, because I've been guilty of, like I said, just, I'm I'm sure people can probably sympathize with it, which is like downloading and installing a bunch of games, but not actually playing them. <laughs> a prototype, like I said, I had mentioned that earlier, I was playing a bit of that, and uh, Stray, I was experiencing that on there. So, those have been, you know, all the games I've really been playing. I've had, I've been jumping around a lot back and forth on here, just because... <laughs> I've been wanting to test out stuff, and it's been exciting messing around with all this. But yeah, those are the games I've been playing. I guess the only other one I've been pretty consistently playing is, you know, I still have my Switch. I still have it hooked up. I still use it. Emily, I haven't been playing it as much because, you know, the Steam Deck is the, you know, nice, flashy, fun thing I'm having. And I'm just having a ton of fun just going through the emulators on there. Uh, but I'm still playing Ring Fit Adventure. You know, I try and play it 20, 30 minutes a day, Monday through Friday. And it's been going well. <laughs> let's see I, I like to kind of in these these solo episodes here uh not only talking about you know the games i've been playing but also i like to share a game store story or two if if i can so for anybody who does not know uh, i used to work at a local like small mom, mom and pop video game store uh, i worked there when i was in high school i worked there for just over two years it was simultaneously like one of the best and one of the worst jobs i had uh best because you know it was it was a fun i loved the co-workers i liked the environment it was fun but at the same time there was also parts of the environment i didn't like and it was still a services job you know a public facing job like that so funny enough when i was working there i actually didn't like video games as much and i didn't play for really like a year and a half or almost two years i didn't really start playing video games a bunch again until maybe a month or two before I ended up quitting because I feel like maybe I could see the light at the end of the tunnel at that point. But let's see. Let's see what I'm going to share here. I think there was a... I, I want to share a couple stories here. It's about um, one guy who... He was a regular there. He ended up being friends with uh, the manager there. So he would come in. He would kind of just like loiter around a bunch as well too. But he was just... He, he was a friend, too. He was a cool enough guy. He, he sometimes had a bit of an attitude problem, but at one point, he also started working for the store as well, too. Uh, now, he also had a, how do I say this politely? He had a, a bit of a hygiene and cleanliness problem as well, too. So he, and he, he knew about it. Pretty sure he knew about it. Uh, but there'd be times he didn't really wash his clothes or he didn't really wash his body or it was a mix of both. Uh, some days it was worse than other days. I'm not really sure what was going on with it, but for the most part, it was pretty tolerable, I would say. <laughs> At least for me, I was just, I was polite about it. Um, but one thing that he did, this was before he became an employee there. He was a customer, and I guess before he started coming to us, he used to go to another video game store that my manager worked at prior. 
And that was kind of another funny thing, too. My manager used to work at another shop. He was known there. And then when he started working at this shop, he ended up, like, accidentally bringing a whole lot of people with him. Uh, Not employees. I'm talking about customers, which was good for us because he was pretty much the one employee at this other store who was good, who was nice, who knew what they were talking about. Uh, All the other people, really, like, who went to this other shop he used to work at, did not like the the owners, did not like the other employees there, but they liked my manager. So when they found out he started working at this other store, they lost a lot of foot traffic simply because of that. <laughs> but either way, what this guy ended up doing and the, uh, the guy I'm talking about in general, let, let's call him Ryan, for example. So Ryan, before he ended up working with us, um, he would do a bit of a thing where whenever he needed a bit of money, he would sell something to us, of course. Like, that's fine. We had plenty of people like that. But he would also buy back the same items as well, too. Uh, so he did this with MP3 players. Sometimes he did this with, like, movies. Uh, he also did this with his consoles. Like, he regularly sold his Xbox 360 to us. Then he would, you know, buy it back later on. And he was losing money on this. But, I mean... We didn't turn him away because it was it was business and he understood what he was doing. We actually had several people who were like this, not just him, but there's been other customers as well where I remember there was like once where there was a guy who came in and he sold like two portable CD players, which is really odd because he got to realize this back in like 2010 or so uh, when they were already on their way out. And I remember I gave my manager grief for this because we're just like, why did you buy portable cd players why like why did you do this why did you do this why would you do this then a few weeks later he ended up just kind of rubbing it in our faces and saying that he was smart about it because he ended up buying these two portable cd players off this guy for like a dollar each and this same guy came back in later and bought back one of the cd players for like eight dollars so my manager was like see how is that stupid when we made a profit on this because i figured you know if i give him a dollar for this we're going to make a profit on it eventually and i sold it back to the same guy (laughs) um so we had some people like that but i know uh what ryan would do was he had an mp3 player and i think he sold this thing to us you know at least two or three times uh there was one time with a film I don't remember what film it was, but he sent his wife to Walmart to pick up a like a new film that came out. I think it was Due Date. I think that's what it was. Uh, she went over to Walmart, and I guess he was like talking to her on the phone, like telling her where to find it and stuff, and she didn't really pay attention, but she bought the Blu-ray of it. Brings it home, and he's like, we don't have a Blu-ray player. We only have a DVD player because we have the 360. We don't have the PS3. Uh, also, it was one of those where it was only a single Blu-ray. It wasn't like one of those combo packs that has the DVD and the Blu-ray and the digital version. So we had a copy of the DVD version came in, and he called us up at one point, and we just did a straight trade because it worked for us and it worked for him. So he came in, he sold us his Blu-ray copy, which is like brand new. He sold us a brand new like Blu-ray copy of this because it was open and stuff. So because it was open, he couldn't take it back to Walmart. He sold us the Blu-ray copy, and we just did, like, a straight exchange where we just, you know, sold him the uh, the DVD version. But there was no money exchanged just because we said, hey, we'll just do an even trade for you. And then it worked out for us because, essentially, we ended up paying for a used DVD version of it, which ended up getting us the Blu-ray of it, which we were able to sell for more money. <laughs> So a lot of that would happen, and like I said, with game consoles, that happened as well, too. I think at one point, this was completely separate to the store, but there was somebody who ended up giving my manager a TV for free. And it was one of those giant TVs, like one of those like DLP screen TVs. Like It, it, it was flat screen, but it was really tall, really thick, really huge, and it was a projection type TV. You, you know what I mean. Hopefully, just look up like DLP television and you'll see what I'm talking about. It was one of those huge TVs. Um, And it's the type of TV where people were buying them in like the early to mid aughts. And they're the type of TVs where they were really cool at the time. But you cannot sell those things. You can barely even give them away because they are huge. They're bulky. They're heavy. 
This is not a standard CRT. Like, CRTs I get. Like, DLP televisions are the type of TVs where I know of several people like this. I've known of people who have bought DLP televisions, and when they sell their house, they leave the television in the house because they don't want to move it. I also know of people who their families have bought houses and their houses have come with DLPs because the previous owners did not want to move it out. Uh, <laughs> uh, either way, my manager knew of someone who was kind of a regular in the store and he had one of these. He was just trying to get rid of it and he approached my manager. He was like, hey, look, you know, I'll, I'll load it in my truck. I'll bring it. To, like, do you want this? If you want it, I will, I will take it out of my house. I will bring it to you in my truck and I will give it to you. I don't want anything. I just want it gone. To which my manager, I think at the time he was living by himself, I think, and he had a house. So he was just like, yeah, sure. I have the space for it. Go ahead, bring it by. So that night he ended up getting this huge DLP television for free. Then he ended up selling it to our, I don't think they were, we were co-workers at the time, but he was just, you know, customer and friend. He ended up selling it to Ryan for like a hundred bucks something like that so i don't even think my manager used it i think he got it he hooked it up to make sure it worked and then him and ryan talked about it and he, then ryan had to come out he, he, i don't know how i because my manager had a truck too so maybe he brought it with him but either way it ended up going to ryan's house shortly afterwards and my manager made a hundred dollars and he didn't have a dlp after that the same thing kind of happened where i guess at one point Ryan was wanting to get rid of it because he needed money and he was trying to sell it back to my manager for like $200 and we talked about it and we were just kind of laughing and I was like that's a bad deal because it's like you're telling me he he took it to his house he put hours on it which degre like it, it depreciates the uh the, the projection on there like the bulb in there because if you use those tvs for long enough the image starts to fade and fade and fade because you have to the bulb in there has a finite amount of hours on it uh, i don't know how difficult it is to replace i do know in high school uh my friend uh one of my friends growing up he had a tv like that and it didn't look good near the end but apparently his family just finding finally buckled down they replaced the bulb in there and then it looked brand new again uh so the point is he brought it into his house got it dirty ended up putting a bunch of hours on it and now he's wanting to take this now filthy tv bring it into your place and he wants more money for it <laughs> So I don't know what happened with the saga of the TV. Of course, my manager said no to that. Um, but just things like that had happened. I think that was maybe the only time he was trying to make it, like Ryan was trying to make a profit off something. Although it was it was great. There was a if you if you all remember, this was probably years ago. I've shared this. Uh, Ryan was the person I worked with who there was one time we had a bird in the store and he had to take a towel and he had to corner this bird and put the towel over the bird and take it out um like this bird was just like its beak was like opening up it looked like it was gonna bite him it looked mad i was just like laughing on the side and he was just telling me he's like dude stop laughing stop you're gonna scare this thing away uh so he was the same person there but maybe like on a personal side one of the cool things that ryan did because uh he he's one of those people he was not the nicest person, but I didn't take it too personally because he was like that with everyone. He kind of had an attitude with everyone. You know what I mean? Uh, but there was one time, I guess, it was, I th I think the store was open already. We It's not that we were opening. It was open. I was inside. Ryan went outside for a smoke break. And then there was another person we knew who he didn't work at the store, but he was just kind of, you know, a mutual friend and a customer who, you know, knew some of the employees there. So apparently he comes by and he sees me in the window, and at the time, I think I was like 16, 17, something like that, but he had the the weirdest, the, the weirdest insult for me. This guy goes up to Ryan, and apparently he's just like, hey, <laughs> who's the guy with all the hair in there? Because uh, I, I had kind of long hair at the time, and apparently Ryan stood up for me. He was just like, well, him? Yeah, that's, yeah, like, what about him like what's the deal with him and i guess this person was trying to like find something to you know poke fun of me with and he was kind of saying that because i was you know much younger i was like 17 at the time but apparently ryan told him he's like 
dude, don't make fun of him. Like, yeah, he he's a teenager. He's 17, but he's actually a cool dude. Like, I work with him. I talk to him. He's a, he's a nice guy. And just because he's young, like, he knows his stuff. He knows his stuff about technology and video games and everything. Like, don't, don't try to make fun of him. What are you doing? Uh, so, apparently, you know, props to Ryan. I, I always appreciated that. I think maybe the best part was, too, uh, when I found out about that, I was never offended by it. I, I, always, I always thought that compliment, like, not compliment, I always thought that complaint, that, uh, that insult was funny. Because I'm just like, how, how is that an insult? Okay. Um, but it was funny because I found out about that. I went home that night and I was telling my mom about this and she gave me a really weird look and she's like, the guy who said that, that comment about you, is he bald? And I said, yes, he is. And she's like, oh, okay. That makes sense. (laughs) So, so there we go. Um, I got made fun of for having hair by someone who didn't have hair. I don't know how else to say it. <laughs> Either way, I think that's a, that's about it for this episode of Mario's Minute. We're clocking in at just over an hour. It's been a, it's been a real good time hanging out with you all, talking and everything. And just uh, I hope that you all enjoyed this episode. I hope you had fun listening to it. If you're on YouTube watching it, and at the end of these episodes, I like to pick a keyword or a key phrase. And if you end up using this keyword or key phrase in a comment on the YouTube upload, I'll know that you've made it to the end. And if you're saying, well, I only listen to this, I'm not on YouTube, well, you can go ahead, come over to the YouTube channel, go to the upload for this episode of Mario's Minute, and use this word or phrase in the comments, and if you use it, I will know that you've made it to the end. Now, I think with all that talk on the last story, how about we use the word hair? If you use the word hair in your comment on the YouTube upload of this episode, I'll know that you've made it to the end. Uh, Do you like short hair? Do you prefer to have longer hair? Do you style your hair in any ways? Uh, Do you remember that story, the tortoise and the hare? I guess this can be two spellings. It could be like H-A-I-R and H-A-R-E, depending on what you want to do. But if you use the word hair in the comments on this YouTube upload, I'll know that you've made it to the end. Anyways, that's about it for this episode of Mario's Minute. Again, I really hope you all enjoyed listening to this. I hope it was entertaining. I hope it was a fun time. And uh, as I always say, this Mr. Mario signing off. Thank you all for uh, listening and watching, I guess, if you're on YouTube. But until next month.